Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org. and do something different. I'm just going to follow the Holy Spirit this morning. Uh, you can be seated. Band, I'm going to ask if some of you can just hang with me for a little while. That's cool. It don't have to be all of you. Just, just hang out for a minute. I know we had plans to take preteens out, things like that. I just need everybody to stay still for a little bit. And we're fixing to just roll with this thing. Uh, here lately, God has been showing and speaking a lot. And I'm working to just be as obedient as I can possibly be. Uh, so that's my only desire this morning is to just know that I'm fully obedient. Uh, in preparing for this morning, he took me into a continuation of what we've been in now for, uh, for a while of just being born again. This whole, this whole concept we've been in for so long now. Uh, and I want to continue that this morning. Uh, but I want to do it from a different approach. He began to give me some very specific things. And I want to start with the scriptures we read last week. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21. If you have a Bible, go ahead and get it. This week, he began to speak to me about the path of righteousness. Everything we've been talking about in being born again has been connected to the idea, the concept, the theology that when you're born again, you're, you're, you become righteous. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And this week, he began to take me in a totally different direction, dealing with the path of righteousness. So I'm just going to start, I'm gonna, and, and, and I felt this because they literally began to sing some of the very scriptures I'm about to give you. Lacey began to just prophetically sing out of the chapter that we're going to deal with today. Can we just pray before we get into this? Father, we're asking you just lead us. We're following you this morning. I feel like Joshua in the Old Testament when, 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 when he said when he was told to follow the ark because he'd never been this way before. So this morning, we're just following you. We want what you want. We want to experience what you have planned for today. We want to know that we don't have control of this, but you do. So lead us by your spirit, Father. And I just pray for a receptive spirit in this room that what you have for today is going to speak into the spirits, the heart, the soul, the mind of every believer sitting in this room, that your desire is to bring a freedom into this place. God, there's people here looking for a freedom, a freedom that comes in the doctrine that's been being poured out in this place. So, Father, I pray today it become alive, that the word become flesh and dwell among us today, that, that the water, as Pastor has been saying, will be turned into wine, and it will become something that we need in the moment, not just a good note, but something that changes and transforms us on Monday morning. We thank you for it, Jesus. Amen. You guys can just bring it down. Maybe to nothing if you want. Just hang with me for a little while. I don't know what we're going to do yet. I, in studying this week, he began to show me this path of righteousness. And I'm going to show you through some scriptures that the path doesn't make you righteous. The path is for those that are righteous. Okay, I need you to understand this because I don't want you taking on a bad perception that to become righteous, you have to walk down this path. But in reality, because we are righteous, this is the path that we walk on. Mm. Let's start with our scriptures from last week. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God. 
This is talking about your life. When you're born again, everything that was you passed away. It is no longer there. And now all things in your life are of God. Everything about you now is of God. Jesus said what's born of the Spirit is spirit. He didn't say it was 70% spirit, 30% flesh. He said it's all spirit. When you're truly born again into that experience, you're born as all spirit. I'm going to try not to recap too much because I have some things I need to get to you this morning. Uh, where are we at? All things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconcil- that reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. I love this. He's given us the same ministry that was Christ. What was that? That God was in Christ pulling people back to the Father. Guess what your design is? God in you pulling people back to the Father. Our lives should be drawing people into the Father. Uh, Not imputing their trespasses in them uh, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. I love that. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. This has been the foundational scripture of all this teaching that we've been doing. That we might become the righteousness of who? It doesn't say that you would become a a more righteous person. Because the Bible teaches us very clearly that our righteousness does no good. Self-righteousness acquires nothing, obtains nothing, and gets us nowhere. But see, what happens is when we're born again, we become his righteousness, the righteousness of God in him. Now, there's a very popular scripture. So, uh, actually, actually, I want to use six and one also. After that, he goes straight into, maybe not, verse, chapter six, verse one, he begins to say, we then as workers together with him also plead with you to not receive the grace of God in vain. So everything he just told you, everything about you is of God. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You're no longer the old person you were. Then he ends that with, now don't receive all this in vain. Don't take this and go back and pick up an old lifestyle, an old mindset, an old habit, an old way of thinking. Don't, don't take all, that would be taking this in vain if I went back to, it reminds me when he says, shall we continue in sin so that grace may abound? Certainly not. That was Paul's response when they were saying, well, do we keep living in sin so that grace is there? And Paul was like, no way. He goes on to say, how can you that have died to sin continue in sin any longer? If you actually died in the born again experience and were raised as Christ Jesus, how could you go back in sin? See, you know people have had a true born again experience. When you find people who get born again all of a sudden experience something from their old lifestyle and it just feels dirty. Isn't that real salvation? Like that first word comes out after a true born again experience and you're just like, ugh, that just doesn't fit anymore. You know what I mean? And I know most of the time our minds probably go to, you think I'm talking about, almost said one. You think I'm talking about certain cuss words and things like that. But see, I even think it's that old negative way. You know what I'm saying? Like that negativity just comes out and you're like, oh, God, that just doesn't feel right anymore. Like, I just don't think Jesus would have said that. Oh, this is going to be so fun. So I want to throw this scripture out to you. It's it's such a well-known scripture. Psalms 37, 23 says the steps of a good man, which is actually broke down to a righteous man. The steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. We know this scripture, we've heard this scripture, and we throw this out so much. And I don't think it's any stretch of the mind to say that this scripture is so connected to 2 Corinthians, that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. If we are the righteousness of God, then surely God would order our steps, right? There's no stretch of the mind. I think we connect that pretty well. But I feel like what we've done, and and this is the word that Holy Spirit gave me this week in my office We've romanticized this scripture. And so I just begin to dive into this. What, what do you mean? And, and I don't feel like I need to go in and give you the Webster's Dictionary of Romanticize. You, you understand the concept. We made it very, I don't know. And we've created this idea that God is literally speaking to me every step that I'm supposed to take. Now listen, I'm not saying that God is not a God that speaks to us a lot. 
I believe when Jesus said, uh, pray without ceasing, he meant to be in an unending conversation with the Father. And I'm not saying he doesn't give us dreams and visions and directional words and things like that. As a matter of fact, I'm experiencing those a lot more than I ever have in my life. But what we've done is we've created this idea that God is going to speak to me about every single step I take. And in in this romanticized version, we use that as as an excuse for where we've ended up because we kind of, well, you know, God didn't really speak about this and he didn't really say this. And, And so we use this and he began to show me something this week. If this is the way that it works, then what do we do when we reconcile Psalms 23 and 3 with he orders the steps of a righteous? Because Psalms 23 and 3 says he restores my soul and he leads me. In the path of righteousness. So I begin to look at this and say, how do we reconcile he orders my steps and that he leads me on a path? Because by nature, what does a path do? It orders your steps. Right? The path decides if you go right or left. Because which way does the path go? So if it's a path of righteousness and my steps are ordered, that means that there is a path laid out that I am walking on, that I am following. So God doesn't have to tell me every single step of the way. I just have to stay on the path. Come on, on, I'm fixing to help some of you this morning. I just have to stay on the path. And when I stay on the path, I'm walking in righteousness. God doesn't have to speak to me in the morning and say, Josh, show kindness today. Oh, come on. I'm just going to be real because some of y'all, he needs to show up in the morning and say, hey, be kind today. Just, just say something nice to somebody. Smile. I'm going to start texting everybody every single morning. Smile today. It looks good on you. But see, God doesn't have to show up every single morning and specifically tell me how to live my life. Why? Because I'm on a path of righteousness and the path itself directs my life. Well, Josh, what is the path? What is the example? What's the way that has been set before me? I hope all those are scriptures that are ringing in your mind. The way that is set before me, this path of righteousness, is a way that orders my steps. And when I get in a situation, I don't have the the luxury of deciding how do I respond or, for instance, which direction do I go because I can only go the direction that the path goes. And the path of righteousness never takes a negative turn. It never speaks ill of anyone. Come on, I'm just going to be real with you this morning. Because we like this whole idea of, man, I become righteousness, and it's all on Jesus. And I totally believe that. You are only righteous because of Jesus. But guess what? That righteousness puts us on a path. And that path was laid out by Jesus. So in this understanding, this path of righteousness... Uh, As a matter of fact, Webster says that it's a way laid down for walking or made by continual treading. I love this concept because one of the things that it reminds me of is that a path is made by continual treading. That means other people have continually walked it. You know what I think the problem is a lot of times how we find ourselves veering off this path? It's because we're not following people that have beaten this this path down. Come on, who's the most influential person in your life? Because usually those are the paths that we follow. How, how often do you have influence of other preachers and speakers and worship leaders? Or is six days of your week all fleshly influence and then Sunday you come hear me and the worship band? So that's your... You see what I'm saying? But can I tell you there's a path that has been beaten out already? There's some lives that we could look back at and say, Man, that guy, that woman... They walked a path of righteousness. Maybe I should be pulling from their life and not name whatever celebrity is out right now because I couldn't tell you who they are. You know what I'm saying? So this just began to ring true to me that there is a path of righteousness that we get the privilege of being on. A path by nature or by design is to order our steps. I came across a jewel of a scripture while I was praying this week. I was praying some scriptures out of Isaiah. And I come across this scripture, and it just, man, it was so good. If you want to write it down, it's Isaiah 60 and 17. I'm going to read it out of the English Standard Version. I just like the words that it used there. And this scripture says, this is God talking to his people, I will make your overseers peace and your taskmaster righteousness. 
This was so good to me. See, if you like the idea of having total dominance in your life, this scripture is not for you. But if you're like me, and I think, man, the best way for this to work is if God would just tell me exactly what to do every day, <laughs> that would be so much easier. Like, God, you just show up and say this, I'll obey it, we'll do it, we'll move on. Don't give me the whole, where should I go today thing. You know what I mean? But when I begin to read this, that peace would be the overseer of my life. And righteousness would be the master of my tasks. Oh, come on. I want righteousness to master my task. I want righteousness to make the decisions in my life. I want the righteousness of God to be the thing that is directing my feet, that lets me know where I go, when I go, and how I go. So I begin to look at this and reconcile these scriptures together of this path of righteousness and what it looks like. So what we understand is that we become, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? We become naturally directed in our lives by this path of righteousness. It begins to lead us, and it begins to guide us. And last week, I talked a lot about the ecosystem that, that I believe I have inherited by the grace of God, of this relational ecosystem that is so incredible right now. I told you it was my heaven on earth. But what you have to understand is, just because you're on the path of righteousness doesn't always mean it's going to be that ecosystem. Are you with me? Because even in the short time, we've been married now 10 years, been together for forever. I don't know how long. Uh, there wasn't always the ecosystem that I talked about last week. I believe sometimes it's how we stay on the path when we're not in that ecosystem that leads us into the inheritance of that ecosystem. Does that make sense? So I want to jump into some scriptures and show you some stuff, and then I think we're going to do some praying and playing, apparently. So we'll see. Thanks for hanging out with me, guys. If nothing else, you get to hang out with me, too, so they're looking at you and not me. I want, to, I want you all to go. If you have a Bible, you have your phone, your iPad, please go to Psalms chapter 23. We are going to repossess this chapter. Can we do that? Because for some reason, this chapter was taken over by funeral homes. Anybody ever been to a funeral where they didn't read Psalms 23? Didn't think so. So we've taken this chapter and we've made it all about funerals. And we really did it just because of two verses out of the entire chapter. I believe one of them is, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. So we think, well, that kind of feels like a cemetery. It must be about death. Right? I mean, think about it. In the old days, that's what they did. They took you out to the pasture and dug a hole, put you in it, and put a little cross. Right? So we took this and meant, Psalms 23, that's when I die. I want to take it back this morning. Can we do that? I want to take it back and show you that it's not about death. It's about life. It's about this life that we're living. The other was, I feel like because he says, all the days of my life, I will dwell in the house of the Lord. We made that about heaven. Well, when I die, I'll be in the house of the Lord all my days. I thought we were the house of the Lord. Mm, see, I'm already challenging some stuff. Psalms 23, y'all there? The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. That means I shall not lack anything. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside steel waters. He restores my soul. That's so much. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. This chapter is incredible, ain't it? It just feels good right now. Well, hold on to that because the next line is fixing to pull the rug out from under you. You ready? So three, he leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. So we're on the path of righteousness. Then four, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Wait, wait a second. I thought we were on the path of righteousness. He leads me on the path of righteousness, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Come on, I need, I need this to sink in with you guys this morning. Because remember, we learned last week that righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost are not in thirds. Or at least I don't believe that they are. Righteousness is who we are in Christ, and joy and peace in the Holy Ghost are the fruit of it. So if I'm on the path of righteousness, I must be walking 
in peace and joy. So if the path of righteousness goes through the valley of the shadow of death, I walk through that valley with peace and joy. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You know, it reminded me of Isaiah chapter 60. We love that chapter because it's arise and shine. Your light has come and you'll be the light of the world. All this incredible stuff. Did you know that if you go back and actually look at Isaiah, the context of the entire chapter starts with, though darkness cover the earth and darkness covers all his people. So the whole concept of the chapter is in darkness. But in darkness, it says the sun will no longer be your light and the moon will not, be your shi- will not shine for you. At first, that sounds gloomy. You know what that actually means? That means it doesn't matter what the sun and the moon does. I still walk in light. So even though the moon and the sun may be gone and I may find myself in the valley of the shadow of darkness, I fear no evil because the light is because of the path, not because of my surroundings. So I live in a place of peace and joy because of the path that I'm on. So maybe in this morning, if you're struggling in the area of peace and joy, maybe we need to check our path. You know, I heard a pastor recently say that any time in my life I don't feel peace, I do a diagnostic on myself and I go back and it can always be traced to a lack of honor or a lack of thankfulness. I think those are the two. So sometimes we're outside of peace in our life and we're thinking, oh my God, the devil has just wreaked havoc on my life. When in reality, if we checked it back, there was probably an area where we had a chance to honor and we really didn't. Or we had a chance to be obedient and we really didn't. And anytime I step outside of obedience, I sacrifice peace. And I'm living in such a peace in my own life right now that I wouldn't do anything to sacrifice that peace. So when God says, hey, I want you to just go take over the service and don't do offering yet and don't do everything that you had planned from the beginning. I'm obedient because I don't want to get up here and preach a cool message and then go home and not have peace. Because peace is more important than you liking what I have to say. You see what I'm saying? This peace that I'm inheriting from this path of righteousness, this path that's directing my steps, all I have to do is follow the path. All I have to do is stay on the path. And it keeps me in a place of peace and joy. Wow, today feels so different. But God began to show me some things this week that some of you are walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Some of you are living in it. Your home feels like it. Your relationships feel like it. But the problem is we always read, yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, but we never connect it to the fact that I'm on the path of righteousness. And come hell or high water, it don't matter because when I'm on the path of righteousness, he floods me with peace and joy. See, I talked about how incredible our ecosystem is and how the relationships have been so great and it was my heaven on earth. But I also have to remember that it wasn't too long ago I sat in a hospital room and held my baby boy that was born dead. It felt like the shadow of darkness to me. Felt like I was so close to a place of saying, God, what did, what the heck? Sorry if there's kids in here and y'all don't let them say that. I remember being in that place and it feels like you're between the Red Sea and the army. And you're thinking, God, are you going to come through or not? I remember those times and those places. But when we remember that we're on this path, it gave us a grace to handle something that normally people can't handle. Because we were on the path. And even in the moment of having this worst situation in my life that I can think of, of losing a child, even in that moment, I knew that I could not get off this path. I wasn't going to allow myself to veer from the path that I inherited by the grace of God. And did we cry at night? Yes. There was, there was night after night where I could hear my wife laying next to me just weeping over the loss. I'm not saying we're not allowed to hurt and we're not allowed to feel. But when you're on this path of righteousness, there's a peace that surpasses all understanding. And people look at you and say, how in the world? How can you handle something 
How can you still get up week after week and declare the goodness of God when this happened? And I just have to say, it's an inheritance of the path that I'm walking on. It's a grace. It's a peace that no one around me can understand. It's the path of righteousness. So it doesn't matter if this path leads me through the valley of the shadow of death. I don't fear and I don't fret and I don't lose my mind because I have an internal peace. There's an internal peace that comes with righteousness that overwhelms outside situations. This is your inheritance. This is what you get to live in. This is what Jesus died and paid for for your life. So we find ourselves on this path that's directing us. It's leading our steps. It's our taskmaster. This righteousness is now making my decisions for me. It's directing me. It's leading me. It's guiding me. It's this beautiful path that we find ourselves on. And there's a scripture, 2 Corinthians 2 and 14, that says, Thanks be unto God who always leads us in triumph. So if he's leading me down a path of righteousness, I know that that path always leads to triumph. And in that, if I can put my faith in that, then even when I'm in the moment and the spouse is still acting like an idiot, the the sickness is still there, the bank account is still broke, the whatever it may be, even when I'm in that, if I understand, if I have faith that I'm on a path of righteousness, then I have to reconcile that with 2 Corinthians and also have faith that that path always leads to triumph. But the problem is we're losing our minds in the, in, 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 in the valley. We're losing our minds and we're, we're freaking out because we don't understand the path. We don't get that we're on this path. We can focus on the valley of the shadow of darkness When in reality, I'm just supposed to focus on the path. Your word is a light unto my feet and a lamp unto my path. You ever notice that the light doesn't shine on the things around us? It just shines on the path. Why? Because that's my focus. My focus is the path of righteousness, not what's happening around me. As a matter of fact, I don't have to focus on the things around me because he promised he would take care of those things if I just focus on the path. So I end up putting my trust in him. And my trust in him is staying on the path and he takes care of the things around me. He takes care of the relationships. He takes care of the sicknesses. He takes care of the the, the situations. Can I just be honest with you and tell you that we got to where we are in our marriage not because we came up with a foolproof plan? No, we just started seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. And he started working on the relationship. I remember sitting in that office thinking, I'm in ministry. I've been saved for years now, and I'm about to get a divorce. She was already talking about what we're going to do with the kids. It got to that place. It got to that point. I stood in that place and had to realize and understand that it's falling apart. It's not working. But in that moment, in those times, when we understand the path that we're on, when I understand that this path may go through a valley of darkness, it may put me in a place where it just looks like there's no way out. That path may end up in that place. It's scriptural. But I think it's how I handle the path in that place that determines what that place does to me. Because if I also believe that a thousand shall fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come nigh your dwelling, that means it can be going crazy all around me. But if I'm on the path, it can't touch me. It can only touch me if I allow it to. It can only define me if I start being defined by it. Can I tell you where you're at and what you're going through is not who you are? It's not who you are. Don't take that on as this is my story. I think we've even done that with our testimonies. Oh, that's my story. And we brag about our past more than we brag about his future. That was a mouthful. You see what I'm saying? And we've taken all this pride in how bad it was. I can tell you right now, for a long time, it was a contest of who had the worst testimony. Well, if I had a little bell, I'd let Jennifer ring it because she probably wins. 
But that's what we made it about. Why? Because it was all about the darkness. And our focus was on that. And when we were walking through it, that's what we focused on. So when we're darkness conscious and we're not righteousness conscious, we're focusing on the wrong thing. And in reality, when I'm in the moment, when I'm in the situation, when it's not like I want it to be, I stand in a peace of knowing I'm on his path. And if it's his path, it's his responsibility to take care of me. He said, seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. In other words, everything that we're worried about, I'll take care of that. It's nothing to God. It's a snap of his finger, and he can handle any situation. The problem is, we're all about the situation. You know, there was three Hebrew boys. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If any of you are about to have a kid and need a name, you should take one of those. Biblical names are the thing right now, huh, Scott? three Hebrew boys worshiped God and loved God in a, in a nation that did not. And the king comes to him and says, y'all know the story. I'm going to play the music. You're going to bow to my image. They said, no, no, we're not. Well, I'm going to give you a chance because I like y'all. Plays the music again. They don't bow. So the king comes, makes the fire seven times hotter. How many of you have ever been in a situation where you, you took a stand, you did the right thing, and you just felt like it got hotter? You prayed, you prayed, and you prayed, and the doctor's report got worse. Come on, if we're just being honest, we've all been there. We prayed over that baby. I stood on this platform before all of you and declared that my God was a healer and that that baby would be born healthy and it would be born fine, and he didn't. It didn't happen. The fire got hotter. It got worse. But the thing is, it's not, the story's not about the fire. The problem is you're making your story about the fire. All your attention and focus and effort is all on the fire. How do I survive the fire? How do I make it through the fire? What's going to happen with the fire? How hot is the fire? Is he going to keep turning up the fire? And we become so fire conscious. Do you know why Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego never changed their mind? Because it wasn't about the fire. It was about the fact that God is God and he is who he says he is. And they took it to a level of faith that I don't know that we've ever really been to maybe in our own lives. Of They literally said, if we die, we die. But I'm going to die with the integrity that I believed in God. But when they were thrown into the fire, it was the peace, I believe, it was the peace and the certainty that God is who he is, whether I live or die, that kept the fire from burning them. It's your peace in the moment that God is who he says he is, I believe, is what shows up and handles the situation. So when I'm on this path of righteousness and I have so much faith and trust in the fact that he is good, he is truly a good father, and his desire is, to, the, is the best for me. Then even when I pray and I stand and the fire gets hotter, it doesn't move me. It doesn't change my peace. It doesn't rob my joy. Because even though the fire got hotter, the fire may have changed, but God didn't. The fire may have taken on a different characteristic, but God didn't. He's still God, and he's still faithful, and he's still consistent. So this morning, I just, I just felt like some of you need to realize, maybe you are in the valley of the shadow of death. Maybe you feel like that's where you're at right now. But I'm asking you, take your eyes off of the valley that you're in and put them on the path that you're on. Understand that it's a path of righteousness. And I can go through some of the worst things in this life and I can go through it with peace and joy because of the path that I'm on, because of the inheritance of righteousness in my life. Why? Because the scriptures we started with, the old is gone and all things become new and now all things are of God. So I have a peace and a certainty in that. That this is the way it was designed. This is how I'm supposed to walk. This is how I'm supposed to live. But when I start 
taking it upon myself to make some of my own decisions. And, and, it, and it steps me off that path. Well, now I have forfeited my peace and my joy. I've chosen what I want over that peace and that joy. I've chosen my, my intellect, what I think is best. We do it so often. Can I tell you, nothing will step you off this path quicker than disobedience. I don't care if you're standing in line at the grocery store and God tells you, let the person behind you go first. Do it. Be obedient. Because when you don't, you're surrendering something. You're surrendering something because that's the path. It's the way he's directing you. It's the way he's leading you. Where is it going to lead? What's it going to end up giving you the opportunity to do? He said, I lead you in paths of righteousness for my name's sake. So he knows what's going to happen throughout the day that's going to be the best for his name. But so often we make the decisions based on our name. Yeah, but that's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be awkward. It's going to, you know, that's not really what I had planned. I'm on a path. And I trust his path. I trust that he always leads me in triumph. And it may be awkward and uncomfortable in the moment, but at the end, I win. I'm telling you, God, I win. When I'm obedient, I win. When I trust him, I win. Always, every time. Thanks be unto God. Thanks be unto God who always leads me to triumph. Psalms 23, and you keep going. I will fear no evil. For you are with me, and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I just want to share this with you just because it was awesome for me. When I read this, I began to think, God, I want a biblical story of what, what's the closest thing I can find to being in the valley of the shadow of death. What would it look like? And immediately the Holy Spirit brought me to the children of Israel when they were stuck between the Red Sea and the army. They literally had death on their heels and the, uh, the Red Sea before them. They had nowhere to go. They were about to die. And the incredible thing about him showing me this story was, in that moment, what delivered them? Everybody scared to answer. It was his staff. It was the rod of Moses, right? So no wonder David writes, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will feel there, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. See, I can find comfort when I look back and be like, man, he's already did this. It brings comfort to my life. This morning, what we did, we stood up here and seen the rod and the staff of God. We looked around. We looked back like David did. I believe when David was writing this, he looked all the way back to when Moses was there. And he said, man, his rod and his staff did it before when they were about to die. If I'm about to die, his rod will show up again. His staff will be stretched out again. And he'll make a way when there seems to be no way. Can I tell you this morning that the path of righteousness is a way when there seems to be no way? I wish somebody would understand that you're in the darkness right now and the Oh, you're too ashamed to admit it and you won't tell nobody how bad it really is can I tell you that if you're on the path of righteousness it's a way where there seems to be no way that everybody else has counted you out and you yourself have probably thrown in the towel but when you're on the path of righteousness he says I'm creating a way that you can't even see right now right now it looks like the very ocean that will swallow you up but in a moment and in an instant my rod will show up and it'll create something that wasn't there before and, and it just keeps going. It just keeps getting better. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. In the middle of all the hell that's going on in my life, I can sit down and eat. I'm not sick with nerves. I'm hungry. Come on. Some of y'all are on a diet called stress. I'm just going to be real this morning, Scott. Some of y'all are on a diet and it's called stress and anxiety. You know what you were called to do? Pull up, a pull up a chair. Sit down at the table. I don't care what they do. I don't care what they say. I don't care if he twists off again. I don't care if she flips out again. I'm about to sit down and eat. This path, this path has led me to his table. And if this is where it took me, I'm about to sit down and eat. In the midst of everything that's going on, I just want to sit down and have a meal. 
come on. I know you can't express like you're really feeling because then we'd know how messed up you really are. But it reminds me of the woman who snuck into the Pharisee's house, said, I'm about to anoint his feet and pour oil all over him, and they probably kill me for it, but if you knew what he did for me, you'd be losing your mind. My God, I'm about to run around this room. I'm about to shout for every one of you that are too scared to do it yourself. I'm telling you, if you believe that God is who he says he is, and that in the midst of my enemies, he says, pull up a chair, because I've got your back, and I'm working on your behalf. Don't stop believing. Don't stop trusting. Don't stop counting on him. Don't ever count him out. Don't ever give up on him, because in the moment, he may stretch out his rod and split a sea for you and you can walk across on dry ground. In the words of a group of great theologians called Journey, don't stop believing. Some of you catch that later. Don't stop believing. God, I feel that in the room this morning. You want to believe what I preached last week so bad, but the hell around you is so dark, you're saying, I just don't know if it's for me. Don't stop believing. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel yet, because the army may be right there. But what if the next step, he stretches out his rod? See, because at first, they looked over their shoulder, First, they looked over their shoulder and they seen Egyptian soldiers. The first time they looked back, it was the very thing that was gonna kill them. All of a sudden, God splits the sea, they cross about and they look back and I believe this is what happened. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Then they looked back and instead of seeing what was gonna kill them, they begin to see goodness and mercy and it was chasing them down. It was running after them. It was coming after them so strong. They were messed up. They didn't really believe. They were, they were so messed up in the desert and the whole time God was chasing them down. He was coming after them saying, my goodness and mercy is way faster than you could ever run. It's better than you would ever think. You can't hide from it. You can't get away from it. His goodness and mercy Surely, surely, he said. Come on, this is the man that just wrote, I'm in the valley of the shadow of death. I'm in the most darkest place I can imagine. And then he turns around and says, but surely, surely. Oh, somebody needs to say that right now. Surely. Come on, say it with an attitude. Say it like you're saying it to the enemy. Surely, surely. Goodness and mercy is about to overtake me any minute. So while you freak out about the army, I'm just going to stop and dance for a second. I'm just going to stir up a little peace. I'm just going to stir up a little joy. Because you may think, you may think we're about to die, but I believe in his rod. And I believe in his staff. And surely, surely his goodness is going to overtake me any minute. somebody just look over your shoulder real quick just look over your shoulder and see if goodness and mercy ain't chasing you down right now come on by faith by faith take a moment I used to look back and see everything that was going to kill me I used to look back and see anxiety and stress and worry I used to look back and see this overwhelming amount of debt. I used to look back and see all the th- I used to look back and see my messed up marriage. I used to look back and see my crazy wife or your crazy husband or whatever it may be. I used to look back, but now, now when I take a glance behind me, surely, 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 oh, come on, surely goodness and mercy is chasing me down. My God. I can't get enough of this. Surely, 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 surely. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. 
man, in the middle of the shadow of death, my cup's just running over. Don't get too close now. I'll spill some joy on you. If you like that little sour puss face you came in here with, don't get too close to me because I'll change it. Come on, it's running out of me. It looks like hell right now. And it's so dark, I may not can see the next step. But because of the path I'm on, my cup's just running over. My cup's just running over. Some of y'all ain't got enough in your cup to fill up an ant. You know why? You're too focused on what's around you. Too focused on the valley, the darkness. What if we took our eyes off the darkness and put it on the table? Put it on the provision. Put it on the grace. Put, put it on the goodness and the mercy that's overtaken me all the days of my life. What if we begin to put it on that? What if I put my faith in the fact that he's chasing me down, not them? Oh, come on now. See, the problem is you got too much faith in everything else that's chasing you. But can I tell you, God's faster than depression. We could do this all day long. We can do this all day. God's faster than that sickness. He's faster than that disease. He's faster than that bad report. He's faster than that debt. And his mercy will chase you down way before it can take you out. Man, I can just see this morning. I wish you could see the mercy and the goodness that's chasing you down right now. You're sitting still and it's coming after you so hard. Maybe that's why I'm stalling. I'm giving it a chance to catch up. Because some of you couldn't even see it when you walked in the room, but now it's coming into vision. Now all of a sudden you can see it breaking over the hill and it's coming for you. It's his goodness, it's his mercy, it's his rod and his staff that did it before and he'll do it again. Golly, they sang about the promises of God this morning. That was so good. That his promises are yes and amen. Well, guess what? When they were in that place that looked like they were about to die, he stretched out his rod and his staff and he delivered them, right? Well, the Bible also tells me that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if he did it then, by nature, he has to do it now. It's just who he don't change. He don't, he don't switch up on you. He's consistent. Golly, man. Surely, 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 surely. They're, they're fixing to start singing something, and it's going to be incredible. I just know it. And I want us to just take our, our minds, our faith right now. Just begin to put it in this scripture. Surely, surely his goodness. Come on, it may be dark in your life right now. It may look like hell all around you. But I dare you to start saying, surely, surely. Come on, you prayed and it got worse. Come on, we don't ever talk about that part of it. You prayed and it got worse. But surely, surely he's too good. He's too good not to chase me down. My gosh. Father, we thank you this morning. And we, along with David, we cry, surely, surely, surely. Come on, church. Lay down some pride and cry out, surely. Surely your goodness is chasing me down right now. Because everywhere I look, everywhere I look, I just see miracles. So surely, surely I'm next in line. Surely my miracle's chasing me down. Surely my healing is on its way. Surely my family's being restored as we sing. Surely he's coming after me. Surely, surely, surely.
promise. There's a scripture where he says, if God didn't even withhold his own son, if he was so willing to sacrifice his son for you, then there is no good thing that he will withhold from those who walk upright. If he, was, if he wouldn't even hold on to Jesus, come on now, he wouldn't even keep that from you. What in this world would he keep from you? He's not gonna keep a healing from you. He's not gonna keep deliverance from you. He's not gonna keep peace from you. He's not gonna keep joy from you. You know how I know? Because Jesus was all those things and he gave him to us. He gave him to us. So I get all that. So all that's chasing me down right now. All that's just chasing me down right now. Surely, surely his goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Every day I wake up, he's chasing me down. It's following me every single day. church of Columbia.org.